baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Christmas time, baby. It's the holiday travel season, and it's happening. I'm so excited, and I'm so excited to have my my AAA card. That's a higher higher level than Ranji's. No, it just, it absolutely is not. I have the highest level. No, you don't. I do. All right. To discuss that with a spokesperson (laughs) for uh, AAA Missouri, we're not going to discuss our... (laughs) Our status. Mine is definitely platinum. You know how billionaires are like, oh, I have my plane, and other and another billionaire goes, oh, I've got this plane. That's how I feel with the status member, mm-hmm. the status level of my AAA membership. Well, I have a plane and a yacht. Well, so um, Nick Shabaria, spokesperson for AAA Missouri, joins us on the Quiver River Electric guest line today. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, guys. And, and I gotta say, I, I love the discussion on the. Uh, the the card levels there you know i was just thinking wouldn't it be great if we had uh you know metal cards for those those higher yeah. members so, so that you yeah, like actually the black need card? to throw it yes. down yeah. yeah like the black yeah, card that I, jerry seinfeld has he was the first one yes i think i'm going to suggest that to the marketing team see how it goes over because that would settle this conversation pretty quickly too well, i think i'll yeah. tell you what else you could do you could just for yourself because you have access could you look up our accounts and next time tell us who's got the better standing because i'm pretty sure I'll it's me to- I'll have to look into that. I can do some research, but uh, yeah, we'll see what we can find. And right. I've been a member longer than Ranji has. It's not Ranji, true. It just Ranji isn't true. Ranji claims he claims that his membership like stopped or something, right. so then it started over. Whereas I've been a member longer, but I will say this: I've is been a member since college. One of my favorite things in the world is seeing who's got the higher status of AAA. Nick. <laughs> How bad That's is amazing. this travel season going to be? I, I keep, <laughs> I keep, I keep hearing Nick that this travel season is going. It seems like every travel season we've had for the last three years is the worst on record. So, right. what's this one going to be like? <laughs> well, this one won't quite be the worst on record, and and I guess worst is all relative, right? Uh, what we're expecting though is 115 million Americans to travel more than 50 miles from home between uh, the 23rd and the first. That's going to be the second busiest year-end travel period on record with the caveat that air travel, uh, this will be the busiest year-end period on record for air travel. So uh, depending on how you're going, whether you're driving or flying, you're going to see some some people out on the road, as, as you might expect. I, I know you mentioned the flying aspect, and I, I know that airports are better staffed during this season because they have to be. I just had an experience at, uh, at Midway Airport, and I'm telling you, like, the security area, half of the, uh, the places were, were staffed, so the line was so long and it took forever. Do most airports do a better job of making sure there's enough staffing so that the, the situation is as smooth as possible, or the, has it been tougher lately? 
Well, we've seen both uh, airports and, you know, generally referring to TSA, as well as airlines. We're talking about desk agents, pilots, flight crews. You know, we've seen them really make a concerted effort uh, in the last couple of years to, to staff back up. Uh, of course, if you remember, if you traveled uh, last uh, Christmas or New Year's, some major issues with uh, some of the major airlines with flight cancellations and delays, uh, namely Southwest last year was the one in, in the headlines. Uh, and that was largely due to, to staffing problems. And, and we know that uh, airlines and, and TSA has not been immune to some of the, uh, you know, staffing issues that have really been, uh, you know, prevalent in a lot of industries since the pandemic. Uh, but this year, we haven't really seen those major uh, disruptions to flights, you know, even going back to the busy summer travel period. Uh, you know, so things are looking uh, like they'll be improved this year for the Christmas and New Year crowd heading to the airports. Hmm. Yeah, it, when Ron's talking about the different years, different holiday seasons being super busy or bad or not bad, you said this probably won't be the worst on record. Do you know what year was the worst on record? Yeah, so the, the highest was in 2019, uh, just prior to the pandemic, and that was true for a lot of the modes of transportation. So, you know, we, we keep hearing about, uh, you know, some of the busiest or second busiest holidays on record over the last several years, and that's because we saw travel, of course, take a tremendous downturn during the pandemic. Folks weren't able to get out and about, weren't able to take their trips, and we've only been increasing the number of travelers since 2021. We are talking with Nick Chaberia, spokesperson for AAA Missouri, uh, with us here on KMOX. Everybody's wondering about, uh, you know, gassing up and how difficult that's going to be and how much it's going to cost them. Uh, people still talk about the prices of everything. Cost of travel, what are we looking at this holiday season? Well, specifically for gas prices, it's the sort of good news, bad news situation. Uh, the good news, Missouri, for, for our Missouri drivers, have the fifth cheapest statewide average in the country. Of course, Illinois drivers know they pay uh, quite a bit more than that. But in general, we've seen gas prices falling really since September. And in the last week, we've now seen prices reverse course and start to creep back up just ahead of the holiday. Uh, if you look back at the last five years on average, and this is talking about Missouri, if you look back at what the average price was on December 21st, it averages out to about $2.50. Drivers can expect to pay maybe 20 to 30 cents more than that five-year average uh, this year. So not terrible, not great, of course. We would have liked to have seen prices continue to fall uh, through the holiday, but still relatively lower prices than what we've seen so far in 2023. What are some tips? Well, let me put it this way. What are some of the most common mistakes that holiday travelers make that you see every year and it makes you just slap your forehead? <laughs> well, we can, we can kind of break it down into uh, road trip travelers and air travelers, right? You know, for air travelers, of course, uh, especially with just how crowded the airports are going to be, I think the FAA put out a stat today. Uh, actually, today is expected to be the busiest uh, day for flying. Uh, make sure you're getting there early. It sounds like common sense, but again, you know, we see the variation of staffing levels with, you know, TSA security, gate agents, things like that. 
depending what airport you're at. So even though you may be used to, you know, flying, uh, you know, getting in relatively easy through security, that's going to change, and especially based on the days around the holidays. So two hours before your domestic flight, three hours before an international flight is what AAA recommends. Another tip for travelers just to, you know, avoid any issues if you can get your get your uh, bags packed so that you only have a carry on uh, you know checking a bag always runs the risk of the bag getting lost or delayed and nothing is worse than getting to your holiday destination and not having you know change of clothes to wear for the week or maybe even you you lost some of your uh, christmas gifts so uh, just a couple of tips there on the driving side uh, of course you know using the time now before you leave just make sure your vehicle is ready the easiest thing you can do at home Check your tire pressure. Uh, most vehicles have the, the tire pressure recommended uh, from the manufacturers either on the door well or maybe inside the glove box. Uh, people don't you know, realize that underinflated tires, how much of an impact that can have on fuel economy. So if you're talking about wanting to save money, uh, make sure your tires are properly inflated. You said two hours if it's a domestic flight you want to get to the airport? Ahead, ahead that, of your departure time. Yeah. Ahead of your departure time. Okay, maybe that was my problem. <laughs> I got there Did like, an, but I got there an hour ten ahead, and that has always worked. It's never been a problem for me except for Monday morning. It was hmm. insane. Maybe it was holiday travel kicking up. Not on Monday morning. It, it's it's never a problem until it is, right? You know, that's exactly right. Um, so, what is a recommendation? Oh, I, I actually have a, a question about about bags and stuff for people who. <laughs> have not traveled in a long time. It used to be that you couldn't carry on liquid, and now you can. What's the exact rule as far as is carrying on liquids? You can carry on liquid? As far as my understanding, it's still three ounces or less as yeah. far as um, oh, yeah, yeah. you know toiletries and things like that. It so, didn't used to be that, though, right? Yeah, I think it from was. From what I can remember, it was. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, because I've been while... doing carry-on because I don't want my luggage to get lost. That's one of my worst fears, and I have a lot of fears. But my luggage getting lost is one of them, so I've been trying to carry on only as much as possible. Well, in another consideration, especially if you haven't flown around the holidays in a while, people always wonder, can they bring gifts on board? What can they do with that? Right. TSA actually recommends uh, using gift bags instead of wrapping your gifts. Um, you know, you can bring uh, wrapped gifts through uh, security carrying on. However, they may need to be unwrapped and opened uh, if TSA needs to check what's inside. So gift bags, gift bags are the recommendation. That way you're not... Uh, losing your your beautiful wrapping job when you go through security. All right, so best bit of advice that we haven't covered yet people need before they hit the road or get to the airport? Well, the biggest thing uh, is knowing when the roads are going to be busiest. Uh, Again, today expected to be the busiest flying day, uh, but AAA is expecting the the Saturday on the 23rd uh, and then Thursday the 28th to be the busiest on the roads. Generally, if you can leave First thing in the morning, avoid the major metro areas around the early afternoon to early evening hours. That's going to be your best bet at uh, not sitting in you know any extra holiday traffic. If you can leave first thing in the morning, that's going to that's going to help you save some time on the roads. And a, a website for um, any resources, best place to go for any questions that need to be answered. Yeah, you can find all of the uh, travel information as well as automotive information right at AAA.com, AAA.com. Nick Shaberia, appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course, guys. Take care. Have a great holiday.
That is Nick Chabaria, spokesperson for AAA Missouri, with us on KMOX, of which I am a platinum member, and Amy is just gold. No, I'm higher than that. Do you know when AAA was founded? Um, The year? Mm -hmm. Uh, Right after the Civil War. Why would you say that? (laughs) I don't know. It's the American Auto... (laughs) I have no idea. Automobile Association? Hmm... Is it, if you tell me, will I be like, oh, that makes sense? Well, I don't know, because you guessed the Civil War. Uh, Henry Ford's birthday. Okay, well, no. 1902 is when it was founded. There were 23,000 cars on the road in this country, which is was is not that many, uh, because there were still 17 million horses being used as transportation vehicles at the time. Isn't that crazy? Sometimes Tri- I still wish we were doing horses. Do you? Yeah. What what yeah. a traffic jam with horse? Did they have traffic jams with horses? You no, know, you take them off road. No, but let's say you're in the city. Would they? Would all the horses be backed up? <laughs> I don't know, but have you ever seen videos of old streets, like you know, yeah. uh, as soon as we had actual video, yeah, um, of cars, just no traffic yeah. lights, no, and people are walking everywhere. Mm-hmm. There were no rules whatsoever. Well, AAA, that had to have been crazy. AAA was a big part of making the roads uh, and thoroughfares safer for cars and for people because they had been designed, you know, for horses with horses in mind. Mm-hmm. I can see like traffic jam with horses and one horse pulls off to the side because he lost a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> we need you to follow us on Twitter at Chris Amy KMOX. And there is a very important Twitter poll that is up right now for you to vote on. And the question is this, do you use a proper trash can or a plastic bag on a doorknob? Because, and here's the thing. If you put the plastic bag on a doorknob as your trash can, which I do, you put it on the inside so it's not an eyesore. But then when you put the trash in, you have to swing the you bag have in. to hit the bag to swing it in and then shut the door really fast so the door doesn't shut on the bag. So at Chris Amy KMOX, follow us and vote in the poll. And this poll only exists because Amy is a crazy person. (laughs) You're listening to KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Chris and Amy on KMOX. There was the story that happened this week, Amy, Mm -hmm. about the sale of U.S. steel to a Japanese company, Nippon. And the reason it is a a, a big deal locally is because of Granite City Steel, which is where I grew up. And um, that's been part of the community since before it was even a city. Uh, Granite City Steel has been there. That is... U.S. Steel, and they have laid off a bunch of people over the years and just recently announced they will be idling the final blast furnace, which is of importance to that city. So when this news of the sale happened, naturally, a lot of officials locally, um, the mayor, Mike Parkinson of Granite City, uh, a number of people were interested in what that would mean. What does it actually mean for Granite City. Mm -hmm. What does it mean for this area if this deal were to go through? Well, 
we get the news um, late yesterday that several senators have gotten together and have decided to try and block this sale. Among them, Senator Josh Hawley, J.D. Vance of Ohio, Marco Rubio of Florida, and also John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, though I don't know they're all working together. It mm-hmm. seems it seems like they're not. They're just like-minded on this. But um, Fetterman out of Pennsylvania is also very interested in this. Of course, Pennsylvania is a steel state. I have to admit, and even the mayor, Mike Parkinson, who was on the station uh, yesterday, or two days ago, rather, was saying that essentially not exactly sure how it would affect Granite City, how would it affect these local steel mills around the country, and whether it would be a good thing or a bad thing. But I think what people are thinking is, well, great, if somebody's going to take over, maybe they will invest. Maybe they will need to reopen some of these facilities. They will need to uh, get these blast furnaces operating once again in Granite City, which means jobs Mm -hmm. there and around the country. I think that's what the hope is, but you've got these senators that are looking to block it. And what they say is there is a national security issue here. Yeah, I I would need the details on that because I don't doubt that there is or could be. I'm guessing because steel production is integral to military, automotive, economic, whatever it may be, you don't want to uh, surrender control of a lot of steel-making capabilities to a foreign country. That makes sense to me. Maybe it is as blunt as that. What was interesting is just hearing some of the talk after Nippon Steel was going to buy U.S. Steel, I heard some hope that Nippon would buy into steel, buy into the plants, and invest in them and the people more than U.S. Steel currently is. I then heard that, well, U.S. Steel would still be part of running and They would be managing it. Yes, yeah. which you don't know. Okay. And that's what Mayor Parkinson said yeah. was, oh, he was no. discouraged when yeah. he heard that much. Yeah, because so far I've only heard good things about Nippon Steel. Now, the CEO of Nippon Steel, um, 68 years old, Hashimoto is his last name, he went to Harvard, uh, studied at Harvard, and what his goal, what he's openly said, and he told this to the Wall Street Journal, that he wants, with this acquisition, for Nippon Steel to be at the top of the global producers, quote, excluding China in the free competition world. China is, I think they own six of the top ten steel production companies in the world. And so what Nippon Steel is hoping to do is saying, hey, let's reduce dependence on China. Let's create some real competition in this market by making Nippon Steel the second or third largest steel producer in the world and basically focusing on free market countries, which also in some ways, I mean, does that count toward, is that is that a check in the box of the national security column, right? Like giving up Control of steel of, production uh, yeah. could be uh, could be against national security. L- like, I will, I will like concede when, that. Are you likening that to when foreign uh, entities have controlling stake of, say, drinking water in this country? Right. Stuff like that. I, I would think that's different. Uh, water is different because that's a necessity. We absolutely have to have it. Um, steel is a little bit of a, a different industry. But sure, I mean, if, if you think the controlling interests belong to another country and they're operating in your country, 
then yeah, I suppose. But I don't know if there's a... I'm not smart enough to know this. I don't know if there's a great Mm -hmm. danger to the country. Well, and also, you know, a correlative danger. Let's say we have these politicians speaking out like Fetterman uh, saying this is not good for national security to have all of this production in the hands of another state. But here's the thing. Japan is a free country. Uh, Japan shares our democratic values. Are we pushing back as much with the all of this stuff that we have made in China? We're relying on China for pharmaceuticals. We're relying yeah, on course. China for so many other things. Is this steel acquisition, is this really so much more dangerous to national security than everything else that we're relying on China for? I absolutely cannot believe it would be. Right? Especially when you're talking about medicine. When you're talking about medicine, when you're talking about chips uh, and, and electronics and all of these other things on which we are utterly dependent on China, which is a geopolitical adversary, not a free country. Meanwhile, Japan, a, a great ally of the United States, saying, let's build a company that can challenge China. Let's build a free market be the largest steel company in the the free market world. Again, a lot of this is out of my pay grade, but I can see arguments on both sides. I think from the perspective of local folks, I think what what they want to know is, do, are we going to have jobs? Mm-hmm. Is this going to employ people? Will they actually invest not just in the facility, but in the people? I think that's what people really want to know here. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. Matt Pauly joins us next on KMOX. Christmas time. Let's go. Let's go. What is this? What? What did you just say to me? What is this? What the hell did you just say? I said, what is this? All right. The That's song. It. That's it. But no, does Matt Pauly know what it is? What the, is no it? No more Amy today. Come on. Quiver River Electric guest line is open. How how you almost made me say a bad word. <gasps> I almost said, "What is it?" Christmas and Hollis. What the hell is Christmas wrong where? with you? It's Run DMC, dog. Oh man, what's the matter with you? <clears throat> I that is embarrassing. Hey, Matt, Polly, Quiver River Electric hey. guest line. Hey, Matt's with us. <laughs> what in the Matt? That's um, you know, it's actually very like you don't have to be a fan of like rap music, urban music. You don't need like historical rap, like. That's a song that at Christmas time every year comes on. So I'm, yes, I'm very so, Amy. I'm very surprised you're well, not listen, familiar. I like rap music. I have never heard that song. Wow, bro. I like rap music, Amy. Wow. So. I wow. like beer. <laughs> I just felt like that. <laughs> I like beer. I like beer. <laughs> I'll have one every six months. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really hope Mason Jar isn't listening because we've had moments like this in the car where he turns on a song and it's like ni- you know '90s classic, early '90s hip hop rap. And I, I go, have you heard this? And I'll say no. It and is. just incredulity. He's overcome with incredulity. <sighs> I don't know what to do, man. Hey, uh, Paulie, talk about something. I'm trying to recover from what so Amy I'm just did. So I'm driving right now to yeah. Cardinal Nation, and at 1230, Mike Claiborne and myself are going to have Benji Molina at Cardinal Nation Restaurant and Bar. We're going to be recording probably about a 40-minute conversation that's going to air later on this week during Countdown to Opening Day. Uh, but if folks are looking to, you know, get themselves out of the hustle and bustle of the holiday period, want to get themselves a good meal, we'd love to see a Cardinal Nation starting at 1230. That's fun. That is a fun yeah. thing. Why Why aren't we a Cardinals Nation? Yeah, we should be there right we now. we have been there? We mm-hmm. could have been your pregame. Well, you guys 
that'd be tough because we need to start recording like right at twelve thirty. So there's some setup at like twelve. Mm-hmm. So you know, and mm-hmm. if you guys were over there, I would have gotten a phone call this first thing this morning from Ron, asking me how to set stuff up over there. So you know what, I'm I'm, I'm all right with you guys. Being Whoa, wait a minute, oh baby, I oh. love you, Matt. That was well played. What do you want me to do? Remember? Hey, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We're, I've lost my head. Speaking of Cardinals, Matt, uh, we got that this isn't it's it's Cardinals adjacent, I suppose. Now, uh, Jack Flaherty signing with the Detroit Tigers, he's got to deal with them. What what do you think happens in Detroit with Flaherty? Do we see a rebound there? Ah, it's a good. It's a really good question. I don't know. Uh, it's a one-year deal. He's not making all that much money, so it's an opportunity. He, he lost a lot of money after that trade last year. Uh, if he would have just kept doing what he was doing with the Cardinals uh, from that point until the end of the season, he probably would have gotten a multi-year deal worth more per year, but it did not go well for him, obviously, there. Um, and I somebody's got to fi- figure out a way to kind of unlock him and get him back to what he was before. I don't know if it's the people in Detroit or not, but obviously he's going to be incredibly motivated because it's a one-year deal. Yeah, it's going to be a prove-it for him. Um, somebody who, when he came into the league, I, I said, look, if he stays healthy, he's winning a Cy Young. He's that good, and it just hasn't worked out that way. So um, wishing him the best there, but I guess not too good a luck. Uh, well, you know, I guess if the Cardinals go to the World Series then, right, then that would matter potentially if they play the Tigers, which isn't going to happen. But anyway, You're just talking because of your White Sox fandom. Oh, uh, no, actually, I kind of want them to lose as many games as possible. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I understand yeah. that. Because that uh, Jerry needs to sell the team. So um, I wanted to ask you also, I, I know that John Mosellock and uh, recently made comments that they feel pretty, I think the word he used was bullish, on the Cardinals pitching staff. Do you think that means that, it's, that that's it, that they are finished? With the rotation as it is? Um, I think it's a 50-50 shot that the top five as we view it right now are the top five that they take into spring training. Now, I do think they add some sort of swing man or the worst case scenario, uh, they add a swing man or something, a guy who can come in, contend for a spot. If he doesn't win a spot in the rotation, he can be a, a relief pitcher or something like that. I'm pretty sure somebody of that profile at the very least will be brought in. So that's one side of the 50-50. The other side of the 50-50 is that something does happen, whether it's in the trade market, whether it is in a free agency, not that there's a whole lot out there left anymore outside of Yamamoto that that would fit the Cardinals, and maybe something happens there. So I'm not trying to be wishy-washy with the answer. I think there's going to be another pitcher on this roster who will contend for a spot in the rotation I just don't know if that's going to be clearly somebody who would be right now in the top five or it's going to be somebody who's more of a depth piece. Well, let's say that's it. Let's say the Cardinals are basically done with the exception of, uh, you know, bringing in a reliever or potentially two. Let's say let's say we're, we're for the most part done here. As is, how do you like where the Cardinals are against the rest of the division? We know the Brewers really are more subtracting than they are adding right now. The Cubs haven't done much since uh, hiring Craig Council. So, what do you think? What do you think of the Cardinals within the division? Yeah, I think against the rest of the division, they've got a puncher's chance to win it as it is right now. They were a good run-scoring club as it was. I mean, there are some flaws there uh, that you'd like to see a little bit better. But things, I think, just uh, the old addition by subtraction, the fact that 
uh, you're removing a guy, Tyler O'Neill, who you couldn't rely on to be out there on an everyday basis. So there's going to be a more set lineup. I think that's going to help uh, this team, and, and there's going to be some more defined roles, which might be something that the team needs. So when we're talking about the division, and this is more about the division than it is about the Cardinals. The division, just not very good. But the bigger question, and I don't know if this could be your next question or not, but I think it's the more important question, is how do they stack up against the upper echelon of the National League? And right now, I still don't think they do. If they go into a – now, anything can happen in the playoffs. Anybody can get hot. Any team can kind of go on a run. But if it's just based off the talent on the field, I still feel like there's a handful of teams in the National League that are certainly – in front of the Cardinals right now. Hey, a, a couple of other uh, Cardinals-adjacent things. Matt Carpenter was traded for by the Braves. He was acquired. There were other players involved in that. Um, they were hoping to trade him. They couldn't, so they released him. So Matt Carpenter released by Atlanta. Do you think he catches on somewhere else? If he wants to. Somebody will give him a minor league contract with an invite to spring training if he wants to. Uh, he's been around for a while, and, and maybe he's at the point personally where he's ready to go ahead and call it a career. So it probably, yeah, he, if he gets that kind of deal, it's still going to be a little while. We're still at a point of free agency where those type of deals aren't really being signed. So he'll have some time to think about this for for a while. But I have no doubt, you know, he's he's one year removed from a really really good year with the Yankees. Uh, there would be a team out there that would give him an opportunity to come spring. And what do you think we'll see from Michael Waka in Kansas City now? Yeah, I like what Kansas City has done so far here in, in the offseason. They've made some small moves to kind of make that team uh, a little bit better. Uh, Waka has been a guy who, here in recent years, it's been sort of up and down for him. It's hard to evaluate who he's going to be. But I just, yeah, I oh, what Kansas Matt. City has been able to do. You getting a phone call, Matt? No, I'm not. Not that oh, I know. You cut out cut a couple out times. A we bit. got worried. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm driving. Oh. Do you have a triple A card just in case something goes wrong? I do not, but my uh my oh. insurance takes care of uh oh, care nice. of all that. It's got nice. the old roadside assistance. Sweet. Um this is I've used that recently. Well, <laughs> I hope it worked out because my insurance also has roadside assistance and they cannot hold a candle to triple A. I always tell people oh. call triple A. Because your insurance can be can take a lot longer to get there. Okay, so I like not that I'm trying to do an advertisement for Progressive here, but I have oh. Progressive, oh, and I I love them because you get on I've used their roadside assistance. You get on the app and you call for a tow truck, and it like automatically triangulates to the closest tow truck to your geographic location. I've had to use it three times. I've never waited more than 20 minutes for a tow truck. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Okay, well, okay. I disagree. Maybe you're lucky. Um, speaking of... Do you have progressive? Un- no. Okay, so that's why. Well, I have AAA. Uh, we just gave free money to progressive insurance just now. <laughs> I know. I tried to push back a little bit, you know, know. balance yeah, it on. out. Let's, let's switch to hockey, Matt, because uh, Drew Bannister, after a couple of wins, got a taste of what Craig Berube had been dealing with all year in another horrific loss from this team. Yeah, you know, we've talked about it a lot, Amy, just how when they lose, they they lose. Mm. And uh, they they definitely lost, you know, 6-1 to, to Tampa the other night. It just looked exactly the same as what was going on with, uh, with you know, Craig Berube in charge. I'm just, I continue to be really on the fence on this whole move uh, with the coaching change. I'm I, I wish Drew Bannister the best. I hope he's able to get things going. Uh, I have a hard time believing that that's really going to happen. 
And, uh, you know, the comments that were made afterwards where he ended up benching Pavel Buchnevich, uh because of the penalties that he was taking and then was very open about that and kind of did sort of a, a Tommy Tough Guy type thing when he was talking about it. I wasn't a huge fan of that. I don't know Bannister well enough yet to really know his personality to see if that's just who he's always going to be. But it felt like he was, you know, trying to walk in on the first day and, you know, lay down the law it's just it's a weird situation right now yeah yeah the whole thing is odd and i was out of town when the the jordan Cairo thing was happening and he he spoke at his locker after craig berube was fired having to respond to the comments he made and the booing that he received what what is it with him is is it is it him it is there a is there a personality conflict is there an issue that i have not been not been aware of all these years yeah, I don't, I don't think he got along especially well with Craig Berube. Now, there are a lot of players, a lot of athletes who don't get along with their coach, don't get along with their manager, and still are able to go out there and perform. They kind of exist together. We all have you know, people in our jobs that maybe we don't like so much, but we we're able to work with them. So uh, I, I don't have a personal intimate knowledge of this, but just of things that I've heard secondhand and thirdhand, I get the, I get the feeling that Jordan Cairo and Craig Berube – were a little bit of oil and water. I thought, you know, Craig Ruby went on a uh, on a national podcast. I can't remember which one it was. I'd give credit if I could remember which one it was. Uh, but he was asked about the situation. And, man, he, he had the most perfect answer. You know, no hard feelings. Tyru was put in a really tough situation right there, being asked a question they didn't really know how to handle. So, I, you know, the, the way the whole thing played out, where Tyru was obviously very apologetic, he was emotional, the next game he gets the big cheer, he scores the goal. Like the whole arc of the story, I think, has has come to an end. But I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that maybe Kyrou and Baruby did not see eye to eye on everything. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're talking about. That was on the Ray and Dregs hockey podcast, uh, that Craig Baruby was on. And uh, let me ask you this because I think the the weakest link on the St. Louis Blues was not Craig Berube. I think it's a huge loss for the franchise. How long before he gets picked up by someone else? Probably up to him. I mean, there's going to be more coaching changes throughout the year. And the NHL is weird. Like Most times when there's in-season coaching changes, teams just kind of find a guy, sort of like what the Blues did with, with Bannister being the interim coach. But there's times where teams will go make legit coaching changes in the middle of the season where they hire the next full-time guy. So if there is a team that wants to do that and wants to make the coaching change, Baruby might have that opportunity. But he's been through the grind, man. Like This this might be something where he wants to go ahead and just sit back for a little while. He's getting paid by the Blues. Uh, he can he can pick and choose. Uh, where, you know, if it's a bad job that comes open, uh, he doesn't have to go for it. So uh, I, I think it's more up to him than anything else he's going to get back coaching. A week from tomorrow, Mizzou, Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. Are you? What do you? What do you think there? Do you think there's a possibility? Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on Mizzou. Spread, Mizzou's favored. Spreads what think, one? Mizzou's favored by I think two and a half now. Is what oh. I thought I saw, but um, okay. but it, it may be. It doesn't matter. They're favored. Um, yeah, I think Mizzou wins the game. Uh, Ohio State has is missing a number of players. Uh, this is not as big of a deal for them as it is for Mizzou. Uh, I just there was uh, yesterday when uh, Eli Drinkwitz was talking with uh, the National Signing Day stuff. He was asked about his coordinators, and he gave the indication that at least one of the coordinators is probably going to be getting an opportunity elsewhere. But he said he's very confident that each coordinator will be calling plays in the bowl game. And 
yeah, what that tells you is how much this game means to Mizzou. Because in most situations, if a coordinator is going to leave before a bowl game, they're just going to leave. They're going to be going wherever they're going. And it seems like Missouri is putting everything into this bowl game. I guess I didn't realize this, um, but Missouri is the betting favorite right now at minus one. They are a one-point favorite, so that should be really, really good. Yeah. Hey, dude, I guess we appreciate it. You guess? I mean, we appreciate it. I guess. I like you guys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hey. cut the tape. That's a real uh, ringing endorsement. Uh, that, Matt that's Paul. as mean as I can be. Hey, we are you working Monday or no? Um, Christmas Day? Yeah. Not planning on it. Oh, no, that's right. You're back with us on Tuesday. We should yeah. have made you work on Monday anyway. Are you, are you working on Monday? No. I mean, no. I know. Yeah, you no, should. Come on. They should just force you all alone. You have to be your own producer, run your own board, do everything, and you just have to cover this entire shift crunch. Hey. Listen, this guy, this guy's done it. He's done five-hour shows solo in Chicago. You th- that's right. Sometimes in the middle of the night. Middle it's of awful. the night. They are really hurting for talent up there. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. Matt Pauly, thanks. You bet. That's Matt Pauly joining us here on the Quiver River Electric Guest. Hey, Amy, hmm. I'm not going to take that slander from you. Listen, I stood up for you for the first part of that. <laughs> You've done five-hour shows solo. I don't know how you do it. Because um, I'm a real talent. Because they have no one else. Oh, please. You couldn't do it. I bet I could. <laughs> you could not. Okay. Kevin could Kevin could probably do Kevin could do eight hours solo. Eight hours. No guests, no calls. Yep. Kevin's one of those people that he's talking to you and you have to slowly back Leave away to indicate this is Go over. Go to the bathroom, get some coffee, come back, he's still talking to you, doesn't yep. care that you left. Kevin Wheeler. That he is a machine. He is. That's Amy Marks Cores. I am Chris Ranji. And oh, some people have defended you, Amy, and some have not. About your garbage bag thing. Oh my gosh. You have to vote on our Twitter poll. You have poll. to vote. Follow us on Twitter at Chris Amy KMOX. Vote in our Twitter poll. And uh, the poll is Do you use a proper trash bag or trash can or do you hang a grocery bag from the doorknob like Amy does? Well, but you can put it on the inside of the door to keep things looking nice. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly $8,000 right after I left. It was him! Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go get it! Amy, 39 years ago, yeah. uh, it, it actually happened yesterday, but it was the 39th anniversary of that uh, SNL sketch, which is deeply satisfying for anybody who has seen It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, spoiler alert, just in case you haven't seen it, um, you know, the uh, Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, he has lost $8,000, mm-hmm. which keeps the bank open, the, the uh, savings and loan that he that he runs, and he's trying to keep it out of the hands of uh, the richest guy in town, Mr. Potter, who is a terrible, terrible person. And his assistant, his Uncle Billy, loses the money, 
and Potter finds it and keeps it, and therefore, um, you know, yeah. he, he thinks he's going to jail now. So, yeah. anyway, the alternate ending on SNL <laughs> is that Billy remembers where the money was and that Mr. Potter deposited $8,000, and instead of um, just taking the money that had been donated to him and letting it go, they decide to go to Mr. Potter's house and beat the hell out of him. <laughs> they they dump him Who's out of his... this skit? Oh, my God. It's Dennis Miller is in it. Uh, Dana Carvey is in it. A bunch of people are in it. I can't believe you haven't seen this. No. So they go over to his house. They break into his office. They dump him out of his wheelchair <laughs> and proceed to beat him with sticks. It's, I'm telling you, for anybody, I think that movie mm-hmm. has an unbelievable way of making you really angry at one person. Yeah. I mean, you want to murder Mr. Potter. Hmm. He's one of the worst people in the history of movie films. Yeah. One of the worst. So that that whole sketch is deeply satisfying. I That's, can't believe it's been that that long, though. I'm going to watch it. You know, of all the old movies I've seen, and I've seen It's a Wonderful Life, but it was, I mean, I was young. Um, it's always kind of sad. And here's a hot take. My And I don't want to throw my mom under the bus, but she, Uh-oh. I think she would be proud of me for letting people know she feels... She doesn't like the movie, and she feels like George. Is that James Stewart's character? It is. Yeah. George is kind of whiny. George Bailey. George Bailey is pretty whiny the whole time. What? Yeah. Oh, come on. Not a fan. And so I'm also not a fan. Isn't there, at the very beginning, doesn't his brother die in a horrific slutting accident? No, he goes uh, deaf. Or no, George goes deaf. His Oh, yeah, his brother does die, right? I saw that scene as a kid. And then and I think his... Upsetting. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's upsetting. But uh, honestly... Muppet Christmas Carol, superior. Second worst person in the world is Uncle Billy. Get your stuff together, man. Man. You drunk bastard. What are you doing? (laughs) You almost ruined everybody's life. Uncle Billy sucks. We'll recap the show. You missed a lot, dude. We'll tell you next on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.